Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Firestalk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, right now, the biggest topic in Flyers land is the head coaching search. Who will be the next bench boss to lead the Flyers to really fix this team, get it going in the right direction again after two playoff list seasons for the organization? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We talked about Barry Trotz a lot, a lot last time, Joe, and understandably so. There's clearly a lot of interest from the Flyers in Trotz. Uh, it would be surprising uh, if they were not interested in Barry Trotz, a future Hall of Fame coach. So he very well could be one of their top candidates, one of the top guys they're looking at. But if it's not Barry Trotz, let's look at some other candidates, Joe. So in your mind, Joe, if it's not Mr. Trotz and the guy that I think a lot of people have their eyes on, who are some people that uh, that maybe other fans should get to know? So first off, I'll say that it would be negligent for the Flyers not to be at minimum kicking the tires on Barry Trotz. And I think we all can assume they're doing a lot more than that. Um, the guy, the guy's resume speaks for itself. Um, and he's also, he won a cup in Washington and clearly with Backstrom, Ovechkin, Oshie, and the list goes on. They have dynamic offensive players on that team. But if you look at the success he had with the Islanders, they didn't really have a superstar offensively. And I think that when you translate it to the Flyers, who currently, we don't know what they're going to do this offseason, don't have a superstar offensively, I think that could be an attractive look. So it, they, we all assume they're looking into Barry Trotz. Um the, na- the name John Tortorella is is going to come up, um, and Tortorella's reputation uh, is that he he lights a fire under guys, and that style would work better with young players, and the Flyers have a young team. So that name's definitely going to come up. You don't have a ton of veteran players with big resumes that may tune him out quicker than – you know, we know Tortorella's reputation is that sometimes he wears on players. Um, the other name I'm going to bring up is uh, former Rangers coach David Quinn, who is currently the met the coach of the USA men's national team. He uh, coached Boston University in the past, also coached coached in the AHL before the Rangers. So um, he's he's a a, a fresh face, um, limited time. We the you know, Flyers fans saw him as the coach of the Rangers when they were kind of in the middle of the rebuild before they dismissed him and brought in uh, Gerard Gallant. And we obviously see what what's happening now. Um, but, you know, I don't know the intricacies of it, but I would have to assume that David Quinn was partially at least responsible for some of those young players' growth on that Ranger team. Um, so I think that's a name that maybe hasn't been thrown out there a ton, but, um, could be considered, uh, cause he's currently 
not uh, working the NHL. I mentioned his uh, USA national team. Uh, he's the head coach currently of them. But I think that's an interesting name that uh, could get some attention. But I think that I, I think the Flyers are in a position where they need to make a splash. And Trotz and Tortorella would be the top two names on my list if you're talking about splash. The Quinn would Quinn would be like an off the beaten path type of name that I would think of, and and that's the guy that comes to mind for me if we're thinking outside of the obvious names. Yeah, Quinn definitely doesn't have the same cachet as some of the other names out there, as you mentioned, Joe. Uh, I don't think the fan base would be would be you know react super positively with the hiring of a guy like David Quinn, um, but. A team shouldn't be hiring based on what, you know, because at some point someone hired Scotty Bowman when no one knew who he was. And somebody hired, you know, all these guys when nobody knew who they were. Craig Berube coached the Flyers when people didn't know his – they knew him as a former player, but they didn't know him as a head coach. And look what he's gone on to do. I mean, so at some point all these guys are a guy that, you know, the fan base doesn't know – with this huge resume. So that's not, I'm not saying that should be part of um, the hiring process, but with this team currently, the rejuvenation of this fan base is definitely part of uh, this off season to me. I, I, it has to be part of the off season. I've written on our website, NBC sports, Philadelphia.com that there's absolute optics to this hire. There are optics to this hire because the, the fan base is really frustrated. They showed it by not showing up the games this year. They haven't seen back-to-back seasons with no playoffs since the early 90s. They're frustrated. So there is an optics. There are optics to this hire to the point where the Flyers do need to do something to kind of rejuvenate their fan base, reinvigorate it, get it excited again. But it can't be everything. Uh, Chuck Fletcher is also making this hire potentially, potentially to maybe save his job. Uh, because he it's his second hire. Aline Vigneault worked well early and then didn't work. There's a lot of pressure on Chuck Fletcher, and he knows that. Uh, you know, Typically when a GM is going through multiple coaching hires, uh, that tells you things aren't going well and that the GM is starting to feel his seat get warm. So as much as optics are important in terms of making sure the fan base reacts well to this, Chuck Fletcher is doing this just in the best interest of the Flyers and really getting things going again. Uh, it's an important hire for him. So he's going to get the, the best person possible. It doesn't have to be the sexiest name or maybe the name that everyone's looking at. It's going to have to be what Chuck Fletcher thinks is best for this team moving forward. Joe, I want to go back to Tortorella if I can. I think he might be the most polarizing name among the candidates that are being thrown out there. Polarizing because I think there's some fans that would love it. They say light a fire underneath these guys, put accountability in the locker room. And then there's some people that are saying, no, we don't need that type of voice. We don't need the old school guy that's going to bench young kids or do this and that. So I think he's the most polarizing. Why do you think he could be a good fit for Philadelphia? Well, here's the thing. So if you look back, and I'm, I'm going to refer to mainly his most recent stop in Columbus. Uh, and a little bit with the Rangers as well. I feel like Tortorella consistently has gotten more out of his roster than 
like what was shown on paper. Um, you know, a few years back, the Columbus Blue Jackets lost Artemi Panarin in the offseason to free agency, and everybody kind of wrote them off. And they were a competitive team. They were a competitive team. They were in a playoff spot for a lot of he, – he, he keeps his teams competitive. And I think that's consistent because you look back at his track record, there's not a lot of spots where you go, well, that was a non-competitive team and they were just awful while he was there. And I think that combined with his personality and how the fan base will you know, react to him, I, I feel like that makes him an attractive candidate because let's face it, they're not going to be able to re like overhaul this whole roster to the point where it's a roster that by next season, everyone's like, look at that roster. They're a force to be reckoned with, but small tweaks combined with a coach that gets more out of the roster than maybe shows on paper, I think is a good fit for the, for the flyers right now. Yeah, I can see it. And I was thinking to myself when I was evaluating Tortorella and his resume that the Flyers do have a roster that could be good for him. You're going to have a blend of some veterans that are probably a little ticked off and want to win again because they haven't for the last two seasons. And then you have some younger kids that are going to be coming up and they're going to be really eager to win roles, like do whatever the coach says. I know Tortorella's track record. I want to prove myself here. Whatever he says, I will do, and I will do it to the fullest. So you do have like a nice little blend here of the roster that I think Tortorella will get the best out of. Um, and he has and a familiarity with Cam Atkinson as well. And that too. Cam Atkinson is now a part of the Flyers' leadership group, and Atkinson, coach, Atkinson played underneath Tortorella for all parts of his six seasons in Columbus. So he could be a really good buffer between the locker room and the head coach. Hey, here's how Tortorella does things. Uh, here's what to expect. Uh, if a player is maybe frustrated with Tortorella, Atkinson can go to him and say, hey, this is how he operates. Do this, do that. So there are some some intriguing qualities there to Tortorella. And before Tortorella took over in Columbus, the Blue Jackets had missed the playoffs in 14 of 16 years since the organization was birthed in 2000. He took them to the, to the, he took them to the playoffs four straight seasons. So they made the playoffs only twice in 16 years before he took over, and then suddenly they were a playoff team four straight years. So, yeah, he definitely knows how to get the most out of his roster, even if it's not loaded with talent, even if it's not the biggest market. He definitely does that. Right, and if you, if you, if you think back about those Columbus Blue Jackets rosters, you just said four straight years in the playoffs. They had Sergei Bobrovsky for that time in net, and that's – you know, I'm not saying Bobrovsky is Grant Fuhrer, but he did win multiple Vezina trophies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had Artemi Panarin, but Panarin was a young, up-and-coming player for them. He wasn't what Panarin is now for the Rangers when he was on Columbus. And they had Seth Jones, who, you know, he's a player that is a dynamic player. Uh, I know the analytics community is not always in love with what Seth Jones does as a player. But my point with this is they didn't have – this wasn't a – if you asked most hockey fans, hey, remember those four straight Columbus Blue Jackets teams? The names are not going to start rolling off the tongue uh, in terms of the players that carried that team. And that's my point. He got more out of that roster than I think most people would have expected. And I feel like 
that type of coach could definitely be help the Flyers turn this around quicker as opposed to having it be a longer situation. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Joe, I'm going to bring up a candidate that I know you've worked with in the business, Rick Tockett. I've grown more and more to the Rick Tockett hire, the potential of that, for a couple of reasons. One, the optics that I mentioned. I do think a Rick Tockett hire would 100% rejuvenate and reinvigorate the fan base. There would be excitement around it. And I think that's important. And I think Takik, what I like about the potential there is he's had success in Philadelphia. Sometimes it's really good to have a guy that's been able to succeed in this city. And as a player, he was very successful in this city. Came very close to winning a Stanley Cup twice. Unfortunately, they ran into the Oilers dynasty during his time. He was inducted into the Flyers Hall of Fame this season. And he just talks about how much he loves the fan base here. And I just think that could go a long way with players to be able to look up to Takic, know what he's done. And Takic being able to relate to players when they're going through hard times, good times. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential there. Now, listen, his resume is not as loaded. There's not as much experience. He's coached in fewer playoff games than Dave Hackstall. So he hasn't had a ton of, a ton of a success yet in the NHL. Also hasn't coached a ton in the NHL yet. And what he did with those Coyotes teams, his last stop in the NHL, was pretty impressive. They uh, His best season was 39 wins. That's actually the most wins the Coyotes have had in the last 10 years. And we know where the Coyotes are now. They're in the basement of the NHL. He had them in playoff contention consistently. And then he did take them to the playoffs in the bubble. And they actually won a qualifying round series. So I just like the optics of the Rick Tockett hire. I think he's eager to coach again. And I think he would know how to handle the pressure of Philadelphia from day one with his players and with himself. So I'm starting to kind of get on board there. Uh, I think it will be exciting, and I think there needs to be some excitement here. What What do you think about the potential of Tockett? Well, to me, um, and knowing him personally, I mean, he's an ult- ultimate. He's the ultimate flyer. Yeah. If you were to ask somebody what it means to be a flyer, you could show them a picture of Rick Tockett. Um, you mentioned obviously that Edmonton Oilers dynasty prevented what could have been a dynasty in Philadelphia in the mid eighties. And of course they, they dealt with the Pelly Lindbergh tragedy as well. So there were a lot of things that that group of players um, dealt with and um, his stature in the hockey community is, is unquestionable. Um, I, I mentioned that the outperforming the roster uh, with Tortorella I think you mentioned with the bubble playoffs, I think Tockett got that out of his Arizona roster in the bubble. Um, And the other thing I say about Rick is that if you watch him on TNT and how he analyzes things, you can tell he he still thinks like a coach. He – everything is from the perspective of if he was coaching the whatever team they're talking about. and while he hasn't coached, you mentioned he's coached less playoff games than Dave Haxall. He did win two Stanley Cups in his, as an assistant with the Pittsburgh Penguins Yep. Um, under Mike Sullivan. So that is valuable experience as well. And, um, of course, his first stop before I worked with him was as, as co- head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Um, so the, the, the Tocket name is intriguing, and I agree with you. It would absolutely invigorate the fan base, and Tocket knows how to handle this city. Um, and uh, like I said, he, he just, despite having won in other places, uh, well, one other place in Pittsburgh, both as an assistant coach and one as a player, he is synonymous with the Flyers' crest. And I just will mention a couple years ago when Taryn interviewed him for um, we were doing a, um, a mystery guest segment. And uh, this was when Rick was still with the Arizona Coyotes. And he said that he would have traded a cup in Pittsburgh to have won and seen what it would be like to win here in Philadelphia. And um, that's a that's a, a sentiment that certainly I didn't forget. Um, and, and fans wouldn't forget. I mean, he is a, uh, he is a, he is a, a flyer and he was part of a generation of flyers. Um, after the, the group of guys that won, um, the Stanley cup in the seventies, the next generation of great flyers was that group from the eighties, uh, the pool-ins and, and the, and the heck stalls and, um, Brian Prop and the guys that came after the Stanley Cup guys and Rick Tockett was right in the middle of that. And then Tockett came back for a second stint with the Flyers and was part of the team that won the five overtime game in Pittsburgh. Um, and that, you know, with in which many players that I've talked to that were part of that, um, Jonesy and Chris Terrian and those guys all say that that 2000 team, um, which featured Tockett, uh, was one of the tight, most tightly bonded teams they've ever been a part of. Uh, unfortunately, that was the year that they lost to the Devils in the Eastern Conference Finals, and Eric Lindros, unfortunately, uh, played his last game for the Flyers um, after being hit when he was hit by Scott Stevens. So things kind of unraveled from there. But he has been a part of some great seasons in Flyers history that came up just short. And he's just – he's the ultimate Flyer. And that, there's no way you can argue that that name would not be intriguing uh, and, and get this fan base kind of juiced up. And I don't think there would be a lot of people unhappy with that hire. And there might be a small, maybe select group that are saying, not, a, not another former Flyer. Please, no more former Flyers. The Flyers haven't done that in a little while. Like, the people running the front office are not former Flyers. They're from outside the organization. And the um, other thing I'll say, though, but when you say that, look around the league. Who 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 is successful around the league? Rod Brindamore, former Flyer. Craig Berube, former Flyer. I mean, you know, the, these there's a pedigree. Yeah, there really is. I mean, John Stevens has had success, and not that he played for the Flyers, but he was a former Flyers coach. He played for the Phantoms. He coached the Phantoms. He yeah. came from Philadelphia. His roots are in Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, so there's, there is definitely um, Flyers flavor that has had success around the league. So I'm not one of these people that says, oh, I'm not another former Flyer, because guess what? You look around the league, former Flyers, they're not doing too bad. No, they certainly are not. And who cares? If the, if the person's the right candidate, uh, who cares if they're a former Flyer? And, and, the overall point too is like 
The Flyers haven't done the whole former Flyer thing in a little while. Elaine Vigneault was from outside. Mike Yo, of course, outside. The entire staff on that, other than Ian LaPerriere in Vigneault's first year, was outside the Flyers. Uh, before that, Dave Haxtell, outside the Flyers. Like, these guys are not – they haven't done the former Flyer thing in a little while. So, like, that's kind of like a lazy, like, thing that I think people haven't really gotten out of their minds for a while. People it is outside of an ex a short extent from Craig Berube. Yeah. Peter Laviolette wasn't a former flyer either. No. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's not, so, there's, there's not this long line of that, that, that maybe the, uh, the hot takers when they talk about this team, there's not sort of, there's a lot of smoke, but when you get under the smoke, there's not really a lot of substance to that argument. Yeah, exactly. So Rick Tockick, I think is a guy that, uh, is going to coach again, uh, whether it's here or elsewhere. I think he wants to coach again and is going to at some point because I think there's going to be a lot of interest in Rick Tockett. Joe, another name for me, Jim Montgomery. I'm, I'm very interested in Jim Montgomery. Uh, he's currently an assistant coach for the Blues. He was previously a head coach for the Dallas Stars. He did really well in year one coming from the college ranks to Dallas. His next season, he was fired from for unprofessional conduct later on. He admitted him. He put himself into a rehab facility for alcohol abuse. He has bounced back from that. Uh, he has learned from that, uh, and he's doing well in his second year right now with the Blues as an assistant head coach. And it sounds like he's ready to be a head coach again. I loved what he did in year one with the Stars in 2018-19. His first ever NHL head coaching gig. He took the Stars to the second round after they had missed the playoffs the two previous years, and they lost in a game seven double overtime to the Blues, who ended up winning the Cup that year. So he nearly knocked off the champion that season in Game 7. Uh, and then the next year, the Stars were doing well, but unfortunately he was dealing with something personal uh, that the Stars had to let him go, and he had to address it in his personal life. But very intriguing guy. He actually has a cup of coffee in his playing career with the Flyers. He played for the Phantoms for a couple of seasons. Uh, but a guy that really implements a puck possession type of style where – if you play the right way offensively, you play less defensively. His Stars teams were always very low, very, very low in goals against. I think he would get the Flyers playing the right way again, uh, and that's what really intrigues me. And I just think he would be incredibly passionate about being a head coach again. I think he would know what he lost, and he would want to do it again here in Philadelphia. What do you think of Montgomery and his profile? So that year that you mentioned, year one with Dallas – we spoke to Jim Montgomery that year when Dallas was in town to play the Flyers, and he spoke glowingly of Philadelphia. Bit of interesting trivia with him. He is the one that came up with the Legion of Doom title for the Lindros Leclerc Renberg line. So he has uh, that little bit of Philadelphia history as well, along with his uh, um, brief time with the Flyers. But he spoke highly of his time with Philadelphia. And again, it's a guy that knows the city. It's a guy that has a little bit of history with the city that doesn't involve you know like the x's and o's of sports the legion of doom you know uh tidbit there so you know I, again that's that's another guy where you know it's good that he got worked out what he's what he was dealing with in his personal life he's coaching under craig berube ton of success there in st louis so um I think he would be a, a great candidate as well. That one take that one is another one where it might take a little more of a 
I'm not sure that initially that's like a splash hire, but um, again, splash is not always great. Sure. And, um, you know, he, he has an interest, put it this way, Jim Montgomery would get, I think, much more positive attention than a hire of a guy like David Quinn. Sure. Um, because people do remember him. Some people do remember him. And he has a little bit of a track record as a head coach with some success. Yeah, he's kind of like right in the middle. He's He wouldn't be the biggest splash, but I don't think he would be a total who the heck is this guy. Uh, mm -hmm. Like you said, Joe, he's kind of in the middle. Um, not the biggest name, but not the smallest. Uh, and I think, yeah, it would take a little bit of time for fans to kind of hop on board with him. Uh, but, I mean, he, he did very well, very, very well in year one. Uh, in his first ever NHL head coaching gig. So that kind of tells you he can maybe be a guy that's a quick starter, gets the most out of his teams, and it sure looks like he would be incredibly passionate about being a head coach again and trying to win again um, in this city. So definitely some candidates. Joe, any others you can think of? Paul Maurice, I think, is a guy that some people are talking about, and Peter DeBoer. Um, Joe, I would love to put out a name that's like totally outside the box. I just don't think the Flyers are going to go that route. Like I was even the other day looking at some college coaches that would maybe be in the potential to make the jump to the NHL. And I was looking at some names. I'm not even going to list them because I just don't think the Flyers are going to go that way. Uh, that's why I think we're looking at a lot of guys that are more notable right now, more known, because I just don't think they're going to go that totally outside the box route. Yeah. The DeBoer name that, that doesn't do a ton for me. I, I don't his his track record in the playoffs to me it it, it leaves a, a good amount to be desired, and I don't I, I don't think that that would be a great fit here. And Paul Maurice, I'm not sure when when you kind of listen to the way he was when he coached in Winnipeg, and I, I'm not terrible. I'm not sure he'd be interested in this challenge. And let's be honest, this would be a challenge to come here. Um, when he was coaching Winnipeg, he had a roster that was ready to win. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, of course, way back when he was the coach of the Carolina team that Peter Laviolette took over for him and ended up winning the cup with. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that this is an ideal fit for him. So I'm not expecting to hear much buzz surrounding those two names for these jobs or for this job. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I'm sure the names are going to come up for sure. Yeah, I'm with you on Paul Maurice. I respect his track record and some of the things that he's done. He's coached a lot of games. He's been coaching for a long time. But I do have pause because he did resign in December from Winnipeg. One, because he thought the team needed a new voice. So, hey, commendable. I commend him for that. But he also noted how he didn't really enjoy coaching a ton over the last couple of years because of the pandemic and just the way the game changed and the restrictions. And obviously a lot of people were probably dealing with things a little more personally and mentally. So he admitted he lost joy for the game and he needed a break. And that gives me pause because let's, let's be real. This flyer situation is not going to be a ton of yeah. roses and fun. It's not like, this is a challenge. It's going to have a lot of pressure. It's not going to be nothing but joy and love and, you know, all that stuff. So 
that gives me a little bit of pause because I think you really need someone that's fully 100% invested. And I do wonder maybe if Paul Maurice is not there right now, if he's not really looking to take over a team that's going through what the Flyers are. So I do have some pause there, and I wonder if the Flyers will too. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, th- those are definitely not the stuff you want to hear about a incoming coach is, you know, uh, a guy that has to regain his kind of love for the game and sort of desire to do this again. Yeah. Um, because like you said, this, 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 this ride is bound to have a few bumps on it yeah. because um, this team isn't one or two steps away. So, um, you know, that's, that's not great. Uh, not a great situation for him. And, you know, as I mentioned, that's not, you know, I'm not sure how interested he'd be in, in this kind of challenge. Sure. But I'm glad you brought up David Quinn. I was a guy that I wasn't really circling, uh, but I can really see the intrigue there. Um, and I do think he deserves credit for some of the things he did in New York before this team kind of really took off. Uh, sometimes you don't always get like the credit for kind of doing the stuff below the ground before it kind of, you know, fruits into something bigger. I think David Quinn did a lot of that younger guy that I think will work well with younger players too. Uh, but Joe, this was great. I thought we looked at a lot of candidates. I, I'm sure we'll look at even more, but we'll definitely have all the latest on the Flyers head coaching search before they eventually name that next bench boss to lead this team uh, going into next season. Joe, thank you so much as always. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. A special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru. And of course, Flyers fans, as always, Thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you next time.